Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, there's just a little bit happening over at Paramount Australia New Zealand, aka Network 10, 10 Play and streaming service Paramount Plus. And it was all unveiled last week at Paramount's Upfronts for 2023. Among last week's key announcements was the unveiling of ad-supported TV service Pluto, which globally has 50 million monthly users. And in Australia, we'll see the Paramount-owned service launch on 10Play with a selection of Pluto TV fast channels. The mashup between subscription and ad-supported video services is getting super interesting and competitive, isn't it? And again, contrary to many earlier predictions about the imminent decline of ad-supported TV, the category is actually booming worldwide. But beyond Pluto TV Fast, Paramount announced a bunch of other new initiatives, including an e-commerce venture with Twitter called The Checkout and interactive advertising where viewers can choose the ads they watch. Equally, there's a bunch of new content initiatives and Paramount has all but blown up the traditional launch of new content for the official rating season, which starts each February with new formats that will launch this summer. Now, to talk us through the what and why of all this, we've got Paramount's Executive Vice President and Chief Content Officer, Bev McGarvey, and Chief Sales Officer, Rod Prosser. Welcome both. It's a week now since you've unveiled your 2023 plans. Let's go over a few of them and how it's gone down with the market. Bev, most interesting, I think, let's start with Pluto. For those that may not know what you mean by TV fast channels, what is it and why Pluto in this market? And it is, I think, ad-supported, right? And welcome, Bev. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Pluto TV is ad supported. And what we mean by fast channels is effectively channels that you get over the Internet. So they are curated like linear channels. So it could, for example, be a MasterChef channel or a channel of Action TV or, you know, property. Um, So lots and lots of channels that are ad supported, that are IP based, but look more like a traditional channel. So you get served the content in a linear way. You can choose to watch it in a non-linear way, but they are curated in that fashion. Um, and the great thing about them is that it obviously allows our advertisers and consumers to kind of find premium content in a premium environment, but it may be slightly harder to reach audiences because the channels are, there's lots of them, but individually each of the channels are slightly more niche. So there may be, you know, a food categories or car categories or any of those sorts of things. So um, I think it's really interesting and in that BVOD space, it allows us just to expand our offering um, to consumers, but also, you know, lots of businesses have fast channels, but Pluto particularly is a brand that exists all over the world. It already exists in 30 other markets. So not only is it fast channels, but it's fast channels with a really established infrastructure around it. Bev, there's something like 200 channels on Pluto in other parts of the world. How are you starting here on 10 Play and what does the content look like? As you say, you're bundling into genres, is that right? It probably won't start with 200. Um, I think that's a you know a good aspiration. And, I, you know, I think most markets kind of do have treble digit channels. Um, it, it will be coming soon and it will start with probably more groups of, you know, channels that are not as many as 100, but, you know, more than 20, that, that kind of number. And in terms of what the channels will actually be, we, we'll have more announcements on that coming soon. But what I would say is they are 
channels and channel groups that appeal to Aussie audiences so that the content won't all be Australian, of course. The content will be both Australian and international, but it will be content that is curated here locally for Australian audiences, so content that we know Australian audiences want to see. So when you think of the type of, you know, if you think about what audiences are heavily consuming at the minute, you know, food categories are really good. People love their MasterChef and their food shows, dating, relationships, but also things like fishing and motoring and things that may not have a place at 7.30 on primetime or perhaps even a place on Paramount Plus, but there's a strong audience for them. So it will be those types of channels. And then there's also channels that come, you know, we obviously have, and one of the great things that we can talk about a little bit later with Paramount Plus is that content pipeline. And that content pipeline, of course, brings us things like 1883, but it also gives us access to MacGyver and all of that fabulous CBS inventory and you know, the legacy MTV and Nickelodeon content. So there's a massive range of things that we can do. Pluto's going to sit, or some of the Pluto Fast channels are going to sit on 10 Play. Will there be in Australia at some point in the next 300 years Pluto TV as a standalone, or is it, will it always be uh, you know, incorporated into the 10 Play offer? Well, what we will say is Pluto TV Fast channels will launch on 10 Play. And then that's kind of the initial step into introducing Pluto TV into Australia. So it will, you know, evolve over time. And, and we can talk to you more about that. It, it will, that initial launch on template is really just that initial step. Okay. And it's interesting. I think we were talking earlier, I think you said, and you'll correct me, that on some of these fast channels and these AVOD channels, is it that viewing time is actually longer on these versus some of the other alternatives? Is that right? Yeah, so what we're seeing in other markets is because they're curated and therefore the people who can come in have a particular interest in that area, they're not jumping around looking for other things to watch. They're coming in um, and, you know, if they're Survivor fans and they're watching a Survivor channel and they're getting Survivor New Zealand and Survivor South Africa and Survivor Australia and Survivor US and, and you know, the British audience or the UK are bringing back Survivor this year, they are more likely to stay in the environment for longer because you're making it super easy for them to find content that they want. It's a very different offering to, 10 play and to Paramount Plus. It's a different proposition, but that is part of our overall proposition as a business in Australia that we have a differentiated model with differentiated offerings. And so why Pluto Bev? Is it just about more content or so why are you introducing Pluto into this market? A range of reasons. I think the key thing is that we need to continue to scale and expand our content offering so that we can offer our clients more opportunities to efficiently reach their audience. That, that's the main reason. Okay. And I know you're not going to answer this, but I've got to try. What are your audience projections for the Pluto channels? I'm definitely not going to answer that. But Damn. I think what we see is we have good audiences across the board, across our other platforms. What I would say is we have an ecosystem that allows us to offer audiences that exist, for example, on one platform, the chance to move to another. So if you think you're watching the end of MasterChef and you have the opportunity to go and watch an entire channel of MasterChef content, moving those audiences across is better than doing it from, you know, we're not doing it from a standing start. We're kind of got a head start. So I think, you know, we've got, you know, aspirations that um, will, like we did with Paramount Plus, it was a, you know, very, very fast launch that we would have big ambitions for Pluto. The timing's interesting too, right? I mean, I know we can't mention or shouldn't mention those other competitors, but there are some big streaming services that are coming and maybe introducing some ads the arrival of Pluto, not just for your audiences, I guess it's a bit of a hedging strategy too, or am I just sort of barking up a tree that's sort of dead, Bev? Well, I would say um, 
Paramount Plus already has, an, you know, there's really an opportunity for our um, clients to connect with audiences on Paramount Plus. So, of course, we're, we've always got an eye on what the market is doing. And I think it's interesting, you know, that those streaming services um, see value in advertising. You know, that's obviously obviously been our business model for a very long time. And it's not dead, right? That's the What I find continually fascinating is the ad-funded TV model is not dead. Absolutely. In fact, it's expanding and changing and evolving. And, you know, that's what we're doing. We're, we're doing the same kind of evolving and expanding. Speaking of advertising, Rod Prosser, you've got some thoughts. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I was just on the point around SVOD, I mean, the interesting thing, obviously, we take ads uh, around our our football. However, the exciting thing for our sponsors of many of our great shows on 10 is that they also get the opportunity to to really drive incremental reach, particularly when they're embedded in the in the show through integration. So you take MasterChef as an example, you know, and Coles as a brand has, um, you know, another opportunity to really extend the integration across onto another platform. Right. And I was going to say, just on Pluto, before we get to some other stuff that you've been up to, on Pluto, Rod, what's been the response so far in market to the Pluto offer? Has it got some interest? 100%. And look, I think the the point I'd like to make is to really just echo what Bev had said is that, you know, advertisers are clearly looking for new ways to to tap into incremental reach. And this gives us a whole bunch of uh, other opportunities via a stream of inventory to, to really allow them to, to get their messages out there. So the interest has been fairly high. And of course, advertisers, you know, whilst always wanting mass reach, definitely look at environment buys too. So this this also offers that. I just want to dart back to Bev for a second. Bev, in terms of the audience for Pluto's fast channels, will that bring in different and new audiences to 10 Play or is it going to make your existing audiences stickier? I think it will do a bit of both. I think it will attract new audiences because the diversity of content will be broader. But I also think in certain genres where we already do really well, like in constructed reality and Australian reality, Australian drama, I think those audiences who are already in the 10 Play environment will stay longer because they will simply have volumes more content to engage with. So I think it will help us with both new consumers and retention of those that we have. Um, what, so 10, 15% increase in audience maybe? And how, what's the, you know, the engagement time? <laughs> oh, we, we will find out. Ask us this time. <laughs> okay, I will. I've noted in my diary. We will get to some more conversation around content and content trends shortly with Bev. But Rod Prosser, we were sort of talking a little bit about advertising. You've been um, a little bit busy. Um, there's a stack of new developments um, for advertisers that you'd come out with, I should say, in the upfronts. Uh, let's run through some of the key ones. Um, interactive ads, uh, you've got e-commerce, you've got sort of integrated content with the ultimate classroom. Just run us through some of the things that you've been doing because you haven't been just sort of um, looking at television. No, and we've been sitting around idle. idle. We do have an um, incredibly enthusiastic team back at Number One Saunders Street, Um madly creating and and partnering to bring new product to the market and you know look really our digital strategy has always been about creating a marketing platform that delivers meaningful results for brands and over the last 12 months we've put a lot of focus and energy on the biggest screen in the house um, via connected tvs and really this time last year around upfront time we really set ourselves a challenge and that challenge was to have innovation at, at the center of everything we did whether that be tech ad product or measurement. Obviously for us, a great advantage we have being part of a a global business, which opens doors to partnerships that that may already be established. But however, with some of the announcements we made, we extended those partnerships and really uh, localized them. Obviously, um, if I can, if I can just jump into them, we may start with Twitter. 
we had an existing partnership with them. We, we announced um, and have been uh, rolling out Twitter Amplify across this year. And then the, the latest, which is one that's quite exciting, and those that, that saw the upfront were, or attended would have seen we had some fun with it, and I was at the centre of that. Fun. I know, right? You were e-commerce. I was e-commerce with the checkout, which is, which is the product, which essentially um, provides in real time a connection between the audiences and, and what they're seeing on TV and what's being spoken about on Twitter and allows them to uh, purchase that product or go into an environment where they can um, and uh, and interact with e-commerce to to get the look, so to speak. Get the look. Get Rod's look. Yes. And just <laughs> out, of, out of interest. <laughs> In that instance. Just it's not exclusive to Rod's wardrobe. But um, I know you're not going to answer this one like Bev, but do you have a sense on, on what the take-up will be there? What sort of, you know, take-up in terms of purchases will happen? We are very enthusiastic about this product. We know that um, from a recent study that Twitter did that 60% of the television content that gets discussed um, and chatted about on Twitter is Paramount content, obviously. Well, in Australia, is it 60%? In Australia, yes, which means right. which means that there is um, we've got a lot of le- viewers leaning in um, but also talking about the product. So we definitely feel that this is a great opportunity for brands to to align to. So, look, we expect big take-up. Yeah, okay, no answer there. Good luck, Paul. But what about interactive ads? Because um, that's an interesting one too, Rod. It is. It is through our association and partnership, uh, which, of course, again, is Australia first and goes back to that notion around innovation and, you know, us being at the, the centre of that. So Innovid Ad Selector is all around, I call it advertising on demand, uh, which our viewers really have come to expect with the way they select their content. And it, effectively, this allows the, the viewers to select the ad um, or the journey they want to go on within, a, within a, an environment through the connected TV. So again, a really exciting product um, and one that's brand new. Just a little bit on that. So, you know, an example will be that, well, how does it work? Just talk through it, the user experience in, you know, in 3.1 seconds. Yeah, sure. So essentially the the ad, the ad experience itself or the, the ad will, will surface. This is on connected TV, right? Exactly. Within the ad, there's the opportunity to select and it is most appropriate for you. So that's really, is, hence the ad selector name is it's in its most basic form. There's other things that we are doing with Innovid that we'll, we'll take to make it, but this, this product essentially allows you to pick your own journey. I think I've seen this somewhere before um, in the last couple of years, and it seems like the engagement lifts on this right. Have you got any numbers on that? Have you got any sense on what, you, what will happen? Yeah, I don't have specific numbers. Uh, however, we do know that within this environment, and particularly a digital environment and the connected TV environment, viewers, consumers are more lent in. So therefore, you know, appreciate the opportunity to go further than just the linear 30 second ad. So, you know, we, we're positive just by some initial trials that the, the take up will be, you know, good. So just a couple of others that you've been working on, Rod Curve, Ultimate Classroom, Samba, what are they? Yeah, look, let's talk about Samba TV. Mm-hmm. Samba TV is um, a global leader in a technology they call ACR, which is automated content recognition that's enabled in, in TV sets across the country. And it, it allows information, opted in TV sets, that is, that, that then allows us to tap into to information around what the, the viewer habits are, which then gets segmented up and we get to put an additional data overlay into our ads, which 
Which hopefully offers advertisers a way to talk in a much more addressable way to their audiences and right. equally provide, you know, the incremental reach. So you, this we are so excited about this partnership. Again, a first for this country, but really it's it's going to take audience targeting to the next level. Curve, but it's spelt with a K and an E. That is right. Super duper fancy. <laughs> and this is a product that dynamically shifts in real time, depending on location, the time, show, um, and other variables, which effectively allows in, as I said, in real time, dynamic ads um, to surface, um, which really means that you're capturing the right audience at the right time. And then, of course, which I'm not going to labor over through this, but there's QR technology that we'll we'll allow that will will create a much more immersive experience for the advertiser. And if I can just finish on the ultimate classroom, this is really um, one where that we're, we're so excited about. It's a brand funded concept that we did for the Australian government. It's effectively a four part, thirty minute series, which has been broadcasted onto ten and has now found its place on Paramount Plus, which will be a first for. Mm. for us in terms of brand-funded extending onto to our SVOD service. But it's all produced in-house by Michael Stanford and his team. So, you know, we're, we're thrilled, partnered with the Defence Force. Yeah, it's, it's a great series and great content. And, in fact, we're just looking to go to another series. A bit more on Curve, Rod. You just give us a bit more detail. Yeah, we're really excited about this. Uh, Curve is uh, an interactive ad product which dynamically shifts in real time depending on audience location, the time, show, even product availability. It's a co-created product um, and it's a global first. It'll live and breathe on connected TVs and it, it really provides maximum optimization for brands and new pathways for audiences to engage and indeed shop. Uh, so it's coming, it's really exciting and uh, it's all underpinned with technology that sits around um, QR codes too. When you say co-created, Rod, what, who with? Uh, with Curve themselves. Okay. More to come, I assume, with, with others. And it does start to talk to what Bev talks about in terms of this multi-channel play and content going across all your distribution uh, networks. This is part of this sort of plan, I guess, Rod. Yeah. And, and you know, as, as we have more breadth across our platforms, there's more opportunities for clients to really get incremental reach, but really importantly, that the audiences are somewhat different. Um, so they're having, having an opportunity to not only hit them twice, but um, three times across various platforms. Now, so as you mentioned earlier, some of these initiatives are part of a global group like Paramount. So is there any learnings in some of those initiatives that you've seen offshore that we can talk to? And uh, well, the ones that have been rolled out in other markets for Paramount, is there anything there that you can talk to? First off, in terms of the the partnerships that, that are established, I think that's a real that's a real advantage, as I said, for us because a lot of the heavy lifting's been done. Obviously, there's a lot of there's a lot of other things to consider when when you move into a partnership, and we're quite fortunate that we have um, a business that's quite connected globally, and certainly from from the ad sales front. So, from my point of view, I think what we've had to do is is really create product and work with these partners to make it more meaningful for this market. Um, so yes, right. there's a huge amount of learnings that come with an established relationship. But I think you'll find with most of these products that we've launched is that we've we've localized them, tweaked them slightly. And in fact, there's some new ones that, that hopefully will then pass on to our 
partners over in the US and and ah right go the other way. Well, we'll get to that maybe another time. Which of these initiatives, um, how have they gone down in the market, and, and what's got the most interest from agencies, from buyers, and from advertisers? Rod, which ones are landing the most, or has got the got the intrigue, if you like? I'm not going to pick a favourite because I never do that. However, can I? <laughs> I will say, oh, look, I'm, I'm going to go down the path. If I say one first, they're all being received really well. Why don't we start? There? <laughs> um, and yeah, look, I think the partnership that we've done with Samba TV is sort of groundbreaking because I really think it's it takes that, as I said, that audience measurement to the next level. But of course, this notion around ad experience being improved in in a dynamic and digital world is absolutely coming to the forefront here with these products. So, you know, the partnership with Innovate and Curve, advertisers are, are, are really interested on the basis that they know that they're going to get cut through. It doesn't disrupt the content that's being played or the the, the great shows that, that we're broadcasting or delivering. Uh, so, you, you know, we've definitely nailed it with those products. And I just have to say that the, the team at Twitter are a great bunch of people and Without the partnership, the established partnership that we had have with them globally and both um, here locally, we wouldn't be able to create these products. So, you know, they've got a huge, huge reach. So, well, to your point, I mean, I think that, you know, 60% of television content that's being talked about on Twitter comes from 10 is a really interesting stat and shows that you guys have been on Twitter for you were early into it, right? I will say that I think the most intriguing is. And watch what happens with audience behaviour is the ad selector one. I think that's really interesting. I'm going to watch that one. But I'm also equally intrigued with Rod e-commerce Prosser with Twitter as well. So I'm going to be watching what, what happens there. Now, Bev, we get to the all important because no, none of this happens without content. And I would say that I'm a journo. Nothing happens uh, without some content. So I'm biased towards you. You're shaking things up actually for next year. It's a continuation really. You've done this before. But what are the biggest changes you're planning for 2023 in terms of your content, your distribution and timing, I guess? Probably the, the biggest thing in terms of, you know, the linear primetime schedule is that we're actually starting in December, which is in fact 2022, of course. Um, yeah. But we have for many years talked about having a 52-week schedule and we've always had, you know, really strong entertainment content in January for, you know, long time now, you know many years but the interesting thing for us is of course we have great results there we have great results in January with our entertainment product so it makes sense for us to go well in that December period there's not much original content on linear the, you know the streaming services the pay tv services play hard there's good sports offerings but there's no you know free to air entertainment so we are effectively starting our year a month early in um, December and we're putting up the challenge Australia which is a phenomenal show it is a a big hardcore challenge show with really well-known, mainly reality stars and some sports stars. Now, the reality reality stars are there for a reason. They're cast because they're well-known, they're entertaining, and that is what the format is. It tends to take those reality stars and put them in this really intense environment. We actually shot it in a hub in Argentina, and 3 air broadcasters um, within the Paramount Group globally all shot at a similar time. So there's a UK version, an Argentinian version, um, a US version, which is great because it allowed us to have the scale to have phenomenally big challenges that normally would be slightly beyond your, you know, your reach with just one market. Just on that though, it requires quite a bit of planning, Bev. So when did, how long ago were you working on that together globally? Probably a year ago it started. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, we probably, we filmed in, we probably recce in June, we filmed we filmed after the US and before the UK. Um, so we are kind of all filmed in our, our winter period um, in Northern Hemisphere summer. So it does take a bit of planning, but the, you know, the results are worth it because now we have these 
the, the challenges are very, very big in scale. And um, then, then there'll be a world version and that version will go on Paramount Plus um, okay. next year. So it, that's really exciting. Now, moving into January, we are putting The Bachelors with an S, critical difference, in January. Now, the reason for that is we love I'm a Celebrity. It is you know, literally one of our favorite shows. It does well every year. Chris and Julia are fantastic. It's proper family viewing. It's family entertainment. And um, we're moving it back to Africa and we're moving it back to a live show. So for the last number of years, for logistical obvious reasons, we have shot it in northern New South Wales, actually, and um, on a pre-recorded basis. And it's been great and it's done really well. But we're super excited to get it back to Africa where we began it and to get it back to a live format. Um, We're actually moving it down the year a bit. And we're moving it down the year a bit because we believe in it so much because Obviously, you know, we do well in January, but sets and use continue to increase across that Q1 period as people get back in the rhythm and you get close to Easter, etc. So we really believe there's growth in that show, which gives us an opportunity to do something different in January. And last year, we took a decision to really refresh The Bachelors. So we usually have one guy. This year we have three. And it sounds like not that big a change, but it actually lead, leads to quite an evolution in the show because Having three guys really puts the power in the hands of the female contestants. So they're not necessarily just waiting on a rose from one guy. They might decide that they want a rose from a different guy. It actually changes the show. We took it up to the Gold Coast. It looks great. It's really, um, it is authentically The Bachelor. We are looking for that happy ending. The way that we do, there's so many Bachelor love stories out there and so many Bachelor babies. Now we are looking for that. Mm -hmm. But on the way through, it is properly entertaining and dramatic and fun and interesting and you know sometimes a bit emotional and poignant and it's it's a great series um we we've actually shot it already so we think it's a fantastic opportunity to kind of in that january period to have that you know tonally what you feel at that time of the year it's summer you're not going to watch the super intense shows in January. You have a different vibe. So we think The Bachelors um, will go really well in January. And and again, the others tend to play with sport, which tend to be male skewed. So it's just, you know, tactical kind of, you know, moving here when they go there. And also it'll do, and it always does a phenomenal job for 10 play. And it's really important for us. Those streaming audiences in that December, January period are critical. So they're probably the big scheduling moves. In terms of the new content, we have a range of new shows. The things that go well for us, there's obviously the much, much loved, you know, the kind of legacy brands, the MasterChef, the I'm a Celebrity, the Survivors. And we'll, the, all those shows will be back, of course. And some, you know, Survivors, Heroes versus Villains, it's back in Samoa. It'll be fantastic. Celebrity I just talked about. Um, MasterChef, y- y- we're doing a slightly shorter run, um, which is great because that show, you know, it does really well. It's really solid every year. We had a good year last year, especially towards the end of the run. But, you know, the way we're seeing audiences in content, we think a slightly shorter run will work better for everybody. Also, um, we're creating a new MasterChef um, brand next year. We're doing Dessert Masters, which is exactly what you think it is. It's MasterChef for dessert. So it's all the, you know, the beautiful... Well, pudding, is it say in the UK? But... It is pudding, but but not pudding as you and I would think. It is not, you know... Right. It's not your grandmother's pudding. It's not, kind of no, no. pudding, Clyde pudding. So, and then we have um, the other thing... Tonally, when you think about what audiences want to watch next year, you know, obviously, globally, there's a lot of uncertainty financially and many other things. And what we tend to see in that time is there's certain types of shows that work. And one of those shows is like kind of fun and funny. And we have a great lineup of comedy. We've got, you know, the cheap seats and have you been paying attention? 
Gogglebox, I'm a Celebrity, I think it's comedy. We have Would I Lie to You coming back for a second series with Charlie Pickering. But we also have a brand new entertainment um, comedy called Taskmaster, which you might be familiar with from the UK, Paul, but it's massive in the UK. It's it's actually plays all over the world. And I think the UK are in something like their 16th season. So we're introducing right. that next year with Tom Cashman um, as the Taskmaster's assistant and Tom Gleason as the Taskmaster, which feels like a role he was born for. Correct. He really is. And we've got a great lineup of comedians. A couple of newcomers you might not quite have heard of, um, Nina Oyama, Danielle Walker, but also Julia Morris, Luke McGregor, Jimmy Race. So it's a very interesting cast. And the interesting thing about this show is those contributors are in every episode for the first 10. They, you don't just change the guests every week. You get them for 10 weeks, which is great because you get a rhythm and chemistry. Lots of other things. Um we have, we're doing, you know, dogs, we have discovered rate very well for us. We're doing, after you kind of adopt the dog from the dog house, which we all did during COVID, you might need to know how to look after them. There's a big hit show in the UK called Dogs Behaving Badly. So we're making that show. We're doing two original new dramas on 10 next year, North Shore, which is the thriller um, by Mike Bullen, who wrote Cold Feet, and um, also Paper Dolls, which is set in a fictionalised reality world. It's about a girl band. And, you know, all of us kind of grew up with that vision of seeing, you know, those contestants for big singing shows queued around the block. And this story is about what happens after, what happens when you're the one and you're in the band. And what does life look like if you're one of, you know, one of those big girl bands that came through those shows at that time? So we've got lots of stuff coming in all sorts of genres. I've got a quick question for you, Bev. Did you know, back going back to dogs, did you know that there is going to be very shortly pre-prepared fresh made meals for pets delivered to your door and did you know that there is an end-to-end funeral service for pets coming as well in australia goes to your yeah i think that's it because people love their dogs i get a patch of grass delivered to my house for my dog every week and take it away again Um, (laughs) so i can commitment to people and their dogs um and we we you know we've discovered dogs rate but you learn something new every day. So lots of new stuff. Um, I think we've probably talked about all the new stuff. And a useless anecdote about uh, fresh delivered food. But what about the biggest shifts in content consumption that you're seeing? I think we talked earlier about, you know, comedy. You've talked a little bit, comedy's back in or there's some interest there. But what are the big shifts you're seeing in how people are consuming content and what they are? Well, I think in terms of consumption, what we're seeing is there is still a large audience who want their prime time curated they want to come home, they sit down, they watch They watch the show, they watch the project, they watch the MasterChef, and we curate that content. And that remains critical. And there's still masses of people doing that. Now, they may not be doing it through the old school free-to-air aerial. They might be watching that curated content on 10 Play on our live stream. And that the consumption of that live stream, probably for all of the um, broadcasters, is growing phenomenally because people are, they like the curated content, but they're doing it over the IP base, which is fine. So that's one thing that we're seeing. The other thing that we're seeing is, and not a new trend, but, you know, an accelerating trend that people are personalizing their own prime time. They might want to come home and they don't want to watch the project at 7.30. They might want to watch something funny when the family are there and then they pick up the project at 9.30. So they are creating their own, you know, they're running their own schedules effectively. Um, And I think the interesting thing for us at Paramount is that we have the platform capability to offer them that. So if they want to watch 1883 on Paramount Plus, because that's what their son wants to watch at 8.30, and then they pick up the project on 10 Play, that's great, because all of the different platforms that we have allow us the investment capability to have enough content to service all of that, to have a strong primetime lineup on 10, to have a strong news offering, like the reach of our news at 5, and then again at 6.30 is over 3 million in each of those products per week. Hmm. So people do that. 
template, like all the Bebo services, continues to grow, that people watch Hyper on a Tuesday night um, instead of a Monday night, all of that stuff. So what we're seeing is that how people are choosing to personalize their viewing experience is continuing to evolve, but there is still a lot of people who just want to come home and like relax and switch off and escape with whatever it is that they love. We're seeing all of that happening. It's all concurrent and parallel, yeah. yeah. So listen, we'll wrap this up um, with some final thoughts and key watchouts for next year. Um, Rob, I might start with you. Um, watchouts and, and what's on the radar? What are you kind of uh, top of pops for you in, in terms of for 2023? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll finish where I started. Definitely uh, for us, innovation um, in our ad product and digital roadmap will continue. Um, so expect some more significant announcements from us in that space. Like anything, you know, like, you know, we, we still have to be very conscious of what's going on in the market. Um, the, you know, we've had a great run across the back quarter, but audiences are shifting and moving around. So we, we just got to make sure that we're there with the brands so they can, they can capitalise on those audiences. So that'll be a big focus for us. Advertiser demand, Rod, for next year. There's lots of talk around what's the economy looking like, what's going to be the impact, what's your sense check at the moment? Well, we're about to walk into the negotiations, as you know, so we'll get a much better read fairly soon. Certainly, from from what I'm hearing, is that that you know we'll have a an okay year. Um, I think the the years that we saw across you know post COVID um, with such incredible growth may not be there, but certainly from you know from a digital point of view, we expect that that increased growth into BVOD will continue. The, the launch of Voz will enable us to capitalise um, on a total television R&F, which should leverage um, more spend into into the linear too. So we're really okay. confident. Great. Bev, final thoughts, uh, key watchouts for you for 2023? Well, I think the thing that continues is that as there become more and more services, that the content has to be amazing, that you have to offer premium content all year. Like we're in October now, we still have, you know, Love Boat just launched and we still have two franchises to launch this year. You have got to play hard all year on all platforms. You've got to have great content on all your platforms all year long. That's what audiences expect. The great thing for us is that we have that content pipeline, great local content, great pipeline of international content. And then, of course, just to, to Rod's point, to get that content in front of our audiences and advertisers in a way that makes sense for them and that continues to evolve with contemporary ad tech. I think they're probably our key things great content, content pipeline and, you know, contemporary ad tech to get it in front of them. Bev McGarvey and Rod, buy my kit e-commerce prosser. Uh, great to talk. Look forward to all the stuff that's going to happen in the new year and I'll be, I'll be checking Twitter out in the checkout. Uh, thanks for joining. Look forward to it. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.